The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, helping customers make the switch to solar for savings, energy security, and tax incentives. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. On with the show. Hooray. Western Mass, the 413. I'm coming home. I'm coming to do stand-up at the MGM Casino in Springfield December 1st and 2nd. It's called Bill Does the Talent Show. Because when I was in high school and middle school, I was too scared to do stand-up at my talent show. And this is a chance for me to redeem myself. So whether you know me or you don't, come see me perform in front of people I had crushes on, my family who's never seen me perform, bullies who picked on me, and teachers who said I wasn't going to amount to nothing because I was just a class clown. And I have amazing people from Western Mass performing with me. So come support the show. And if you come, make sure you bring me a slice from Red Rose. You heard? I just want to say that Red Rose is across the street from where you're you're performing, so you can go like or like have somebody bring you one right before you get on stage. But Bill does the talent show is this Friday, December first, and Saturday, December second, at eight p.m. at the Armory at MGM Springfield. And it stars Springfield's own Bill Posley, writer for major Netflix and Apple series, comedian, returning to his home Springfield. Uh, and creating a documentary as we speak yes. <laughs> in the studio <laughs> with us. There's a lot us. of extra lights. <laughs> the talent show project. Yeah, the, the red lights are gleaming off of my bald pate. Uh, Bill Posley, who joins us in the studio, you uh, did you not recognize that that was your own voice when that clip started at the beginning of the show? Because you looked mortified all of a sudden. No, uh, I was like, yo, this, wow, whoever they hired to do this sounds just like me. And then it took... <laughs> such a long time for me to realize that it was me and I felt so stupid and embarrassed no 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 like there's a lot going on and it's okay to forget sometimes yeah 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 I was lost in it so thank you guys so much for having me on the show to be on to be on Springfield Public Access is like I made it in a lot of ways yes you're on double Springfield Public Access right now because of the documentary crew and public radio that you're on right now as well and uh Bill you tell us about when you lived in Springfield yeah, so I grew up in Springfield. Um, you know, I went to school in Indian Orchard at St. Matthews. Uh, then I went to school out in Wilbraham at Minichog. So pretty much until I was 18 years old, I, I lived here. Um, and Springfield is, you know, I when I was growing up, I didn't realize how much Springfield meant to me until I left. I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to see the world, okay? <laughs> I'm tired because, you know, Springfield's a you know, a blue collar town, especially it was when I grew up. So um, there wasn't like much by way of arts and, in in the, you know, there wasn't all these places to that that I felt like I could have artistic outlet back then. And so I was like, I want to go like perform and I want to go do all these things. And so I left. And then since coming back, I realized that there is a community here and there are a community of great, talented artists here. And so um, that's part of the reason I came back. Yes, it was to redo the talent show, but it was also to highlight some of the people who are doing amazing things in the city and to show how much the city has grown since I've left. Talk about redoing the talent show. It's mentioned in the clip here, but there was a talent show that you could have done when you were here before that you are now trying to relive. Or perhaps several. Yes. So when I was in middle school and in high school, I had opportunities to do talent shows, right? I love comedy so much. I love stand-up so much. I want to do the talent show. And it was so sad. The closest I ever got was I was a tech at a talent show. <laughs> and so I watched everybody else do the talent show, to include my brother. I watched him do the talent show. And I still did not have the courage to do it because I was afraid of social ridicule. I was like 
overweight and I was short and I was like, I just, it was already hard enough to navigate these streets. <laughs> it was hard enough. And so I didn't want to add any insult to injury. And so since I, I, I've left, you know, I gained courage and I gained confidence. So you know what? I was like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to do the talent show again. So in order to do that, I had to create a talent show. <laughs> so I invited uh, other performers from, from Western Mask to come out. I've invited all the people I went to high school with, friends, family, and I'm finally going to do the talent show in front of them. People I, I served with in the military are coming who have never seen me perform. So um, it's, it's going to be crazy. Talk about like actually curating the people who are going to be on stage. Like who made the final cut for who we'll see this weekend? Yes. So what I really wanted to focus on is I wanted to focus on people who never had their shot. You know, never took their chance when it came to performing, or felt like they didn't they didn't have an opportunity to do that. So, um, whether it's uh, Sarah in uh, her band Kismet, which is her and her husband uh, Zach, they're going to come out. You know, she is a physical therapist who ha is a mother of two and is constantly working and giving back to her community. And you know, she does this. Uh, she performs at uh, breweries around town and and still pursues her passion in her career and her art, you know, and while having all these other things to do. And uh, Diana, uh, she had a chance to, um, you know, go off uh, to college for acting, whether it was NYU or Juilliard. She applied to all these places, but wound up not going because of a relationship that she was in. And she ended up getting uh, uh, stuck and having to pass on her dream. So she's getting a chance to come up and do this again. And then uh, a comedian, Maverick Prasad, who uh, stepped away from his career as a, a doctor, basically, to come out and do stand-up because he had a passion for it. So all of these people are getting their chance in the spotlight and to show what they can do and, and all the great things that Springfield has to offer as, as far as talent is concerned. I don't know if I want a doctor named Maverick anyway, right. to be honest with you. I kind of want a doctor that's going to go by the book. <laughs> we're, we're, that's not what Andrew Lamb said. <laughs> we're speaking with Bill Posley, who's from Springfield, who has become a success despite missing your talent show when you uh, were growing up here. Your your resume, your IMDb Internet Movie Database, uh, is, is stacked. You're a writer for shows like Cobra Kai, which mm -hmm. I am totally in love with, Shrinking, which is great, Keenan. Uh, you're writing a spinoff to Ferris Bueller's Day off you've been on glow on netflix and macgyver you were on survivor yes anything that rhymes is success. <laughs> <laughs> let's hear a quick clip of uh your stand-up this comes from ktla tv in L in los angeles oh yeah guys want to give a shout out to all of my baristas who have to make coffee in the morning i used to be a barista and it is literally Woo! the hardest job in the entire world and i'm a veteran i've been to war okay oh. and i would do that again <laughs> Before I worked at Starbucks. <laughs> because the Taliban pales in comparison to a middle-aged white woman at 5 o'clock in the morning who hasn't had her coffee yet. <laughs> Has anyone ever seen this person? They come in with a fury, right? <laughs> they kick the door open. They're like, it's too hot in here. It's too cold in here. Last time you made my drink, there wasn't soy in it. Is that soy? Prove it. Show me the box. <laughs> Show me the box. Show me the box. Show me the box. Show me the box. Sorry, I just haven't had my coffee yet. <laughs> Well, I had had it up to here, and I was like, oh, really? Because I didn't know that caffeine cured being a Karen, Karen. <laughs> and I was immediately fired. <laughs> but 
thank your baristas and tip them this morning. Thank yeah. you guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's from KTLA TV. That was the cleaner version of the joke. That is yeah, definitely the cleanest version of that joke. Would yeah. go over better with the uh, public radio audience that we're listening to right here. Although our uh, Betsy is standing by the dump button, but please don't swear, Bill Posley. Um, you do mention in that clip that you went to war, and it's a, a kind of a far cry from all the the laughing and jokes that we've done right now to talk about that. But tell me about that journey from being afraid to perform in your Springfield area talent show to having to go to actual war and then the confidence that you have now to be doing all these amazing things we've we've heard about so far yeah I mean um, they're actually uh, going to war is it has a uh, is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today I um, uh, oddly enough when uh, I got sent to Iraq uh, I got stationed with um, you know men and women who are my family still to this day. And while we were there, as you can imagine, uh, there is a, a lot to be sad about. And one of the things that I did, because I was, I was still young, you know, I was 18, 19 years old. And uh, while I was there, I would impersonate other soldiers. I would impersonate my commanding officers. I would do all these imp- around the bonfire at night when we would all be hanging out. And so I would just, you know, joke around and make people laugh. And so I remember we had a comedian come in uh, to entertain the troops and uh, he just wasn't, he didn't do it for us. Uh-huh. Uh, he was not <laughs> funny. And, uh, and so uh, my sergeant, Sergeant Edgar Romero, who was kind of like a, a, a father figure to me while I was there, pulled me aside and he was like, I don't know what you're doing with the rest of your life, but I think you're funnier than that guy and you should do that. Wow. And it gave me the courage to um, get on stage when I moved to Los Angeles uh, and that and three martinis get, uh, <laughs> gave me the courage to Been get there. on stage and uh, do stand up for the first time. And I fell in love with it, and I've not stopped ever since. Courage comes in many forms. Yes, yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> How does it feel different? What are the different feelings between writing something or bringing together a show like this, like Bill does a talent show, as opposed to like your scripted show, like learn the I'm going to get the title of Becoming Black, um, mm-hmm. and your your movie, like. How does it feel differently between working in those mediums? Well, I think, you know, the... Uh, and your stand-up, because it's a whole different thing there, too. Yeah, when you're in a writer's room or you're... any Anytime you're doing something that's that's scripted or, or filmed, um, you... Uh, have you, you you put all your love and energy and, and work into it, but you don't get a response. It takes years. It takes years sometimes, or a year at least, for... To, for it to ever come out or be seen or to know if it was funny or if all the pieces came together. When you're doing a live show, it's immediate. You know the moment that you put it up, whether it works or it doesn't work. And that's what's so unique about it. And I think that's also why um, I love it. You know, don't get me wrong. I love writing movies. I love writing on television. But sometimes you just you do it and then you, you forget about it because you have to go through filming and editing and, and, and then release dates and stuff like that. But, man, when you write something and you get on stage, it's funny now or it's never. And so it's like a heavyweight fight with the audience, you know. Anybody who's ever performed on stage, whether it's musically or, or comedy or even public speaking, you know, it's it, right then and there you know if it's working or if it's not working. And there's, there's no better feeling when you get it right. 
We're speaking with Bill Posley, who t- Friday and Saturday, December 1st and 2nd, 8 o'clock at the Armory and MGM in Springfield, is going to be bringing the talent show, the talent show that he never did as a kid when he was in Springfield back here after gaining all these accolades as a performer on Upright Citizens Brigade and at Second City and as a writer for shows like Cobra Kai. Did you write the most recent, on the most recent, the forthcoming last season of Cobra Kai? Um, no, I have not. No, I did not. Okay. I was, was going to ask project. you for all the Daniel LaRusso spoilers. Oh, no, no. Now we know he lives because he's moving, making a Karate Kid movie with Jackie Chan that they're casting for that I just saw details about over the weekend. So yes, they are. That's a big deal, I think. But you were also on Survivor. Yes. Which uh, I know is a hugely popular show. Um, and tell me about your experience on Survivor. I'm assuming that's after you were in the military. Yes. Where you are literally <laughs> trained to do these things and did do them with the military in combat situations. What's the transition like going from actual military combat things to a television mock-up, fake reality, reality show version of a similar uh, dangerous scenario without the, the threat of actual death? Hopefully. Survivor was amazing. Survivor came at a time in my life where I needed it. You know what I mean? I was I was in LA and I was trying to figure everything out and you know, I was a struggling comedian and actor and artist and all that stuff and um at that particular time I was like, you know, sleeping on couches and all this stuff and um trying to figure out my life and get it all together and um one day I was out walking my now ex-girlfriend's dog because she was dealing with her own drama and um, a car pulled over and was like, hey, a woman gets out and goes, have you ever thought about being on Survivor? And I was like, no. And she was like, why? I'm like, because I take my career very seriously and I don't want to be a reality TV show star. I think it'll ruin my career. And then she asked the best question you could ask a person in my situation. She goes, really, how's your career going right now? And I was just like, oh, oh, it hurts. So I said, give me your card. You know what? And then um, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And then a month later, I was in Fiji. And I don't know what else to say. I was, I was so blessed to have been on that show because it allowed me to get my life together in a way that I hadn't before. You know, coming back from Iraq, I was dealing with a lot of PTSD. And I was dealing with a lot of um, acclimating issues. And I couldn't slow my mind down enough to really focus on the things I really, really wanted to do. And Survivor provided me that opportunity. And because they did that, when I came back from Survivor, uh, it changed my whole life. I committed to my career in a way that I had never had before. And I really do credit it for the career and the person that I am today. I feel like she would have had an easier pitch going, would you like to go to Fiji? And you probably would have gone... Also, yeah. to just random people roll up on you in, in L.A. and be like, hey, do you want to go on a television show that everyone in the nation going to watch? Guys, that's all L.A. is. If you just <laughs> go, if you just fly to L.A., everyone's going to offer you a TV show. We'd love to have you. Come on out. <laughs> Doesn't happen in Springfield. It's that quick. Wrong it's town. that fast. Yeah, yeah. You're, speaking of Springfield, your, your dad uh, was a Springfield firefighter? Oh, yeah. My dad, is, my dad was a Springfield firefighter and... My harshest critic. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have never seen you perform, right? Is this true? Right. My, Are they coming? So, unfortunately, this is the irony of, uh, of my life. My, my parents passed away. Oh, sorry to so, hear that. Thank you very much. But, of course they did. <laughs> when I can come back and show what I can do. Of course they did. 
so yes, um, my growing up, my dad was like, I I showed him a video of the show of of a show that I did uh, a while back. He watched like five minutes of it. I'm sitting on the couch and I'm just like waiting for him to say anything. And uh, he turns five minutes into the video, looks at me and goes, people like this? <laughs> and I go, well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's doing well. It's gotten picked up and it's going to He's like, OK, good, good, because I, uh, I, I don't want I wouldn't want you to be embarrassed up there. Ugh. And uh, I was like, okay, last time you see undone, we don't have to see anymore. Last time you see anything, but now, because what what he needed was he needed people to say I was funny, to see that I was funny, and now I have an opportunity for people to see it, <laughs> and for for people to say it, and for him to see it. And of course, he's not here. <sighs> you win, Dad. <laughs> you win. Is your brother that did the That's actual talent show going to be there? No. Ah, oh, dang it! <laughs> it's never. I, I can't win. But my cousins. And um, uh, my friends are going to all be there to, to support me. And so that's that's really what matters the most is that they're all going to be there to uh, help me out and and show me love and hopefully have my back. And I do have one cousin who is coming who has said on numerous occasions that I'm not funny. So she's the she's my dad reincarnated. Oh, she- why? She's your north star because yeah. you, because everybody, it's, especially black families, have like that that one relative. It's just like I, if I know I got you, then I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> she's become the matriarch of the family. Yeah, and because of that, it's like her. She's like the you know the godmother. You know what I mean? Where you have to kiss the ring, and when she approves it, it's it's it, it's it, you're good then. So are you working for an audience of one then this weekend? Really, I am working for an audience <laughs> of one, and we all are like innocent bystanders. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna break her. <laughs> I'm gonna bring her on stage. She doesn't know this because I know she I know she doesn't know what's gonna happen. I'm gonna make I'm gonna break her and make her laugh on stage because I'm gonna bring her up. She hates it. I'm gonna do it, and then that's how you take. You know, you have to like tame the the animal before and then you can pet its stomach that's what i'm gonna do wow <laughs> sounds like it's gonna be an exciting show yes yes it is <laughs> bill posley who has returned to his hometown of springfield for a documentary and a talent show project where he will relive maybe perhaps some of the mistakes of his past mm-hmm. and uh, and overcome them at mgm's armory in springfield this friday and saturday december 1st and 2nd at eight o'clock. Do you want to hang out with us while we pitch and while we talk about something else excellent that's going on? Absolutely. Fantastic. I think that's a good idea. Up next, we'll speak with Tim Munson and Chris Marion of Urban Food Brood, all about their collaborative collective on Gasoline Alley and their upcoming Kringle Market. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to the Fabulous 413 this Sunday, December 3rd from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Gasoline Alley in Springfield is rolling out its third annual Kringle Market. This year, the entire alley is joining the festivities. Alongside the Kringle Market vendors, new businesses have set up shop on Gasoline Alley and are eager to introduce themselves. At the heart of the Kringle Market is the commitment to celebrating and uplifting local small businesses like on Small Business Saturday, which just went by. (laughs) And joining us from the Urban Fruit Brood and Gasoline Alley are Chris Marion of Chris Marion Photography and Tim Monson of Monsoon Roastery, who I enjoy all the time because they're around the corner from my house. Hey, thanks for having us. No problem. Thanks for joining us. Kalise and I are coffee <clears throat> addicts. Yeah, it's and real bad. We uh we ran out of coffee one day and oh, no. she showed up with these jars <laughs> that are now spread out before us. 
<laughs> I didn't know what they were. I didn't know if they were fireworks or what have you. They are gorgeous metal canisters of coffee unlike anything I've ever seen. So, uh, Tim, talk to us about the design of, of Monsoon Coffee before we get launched into the Kringle Market and all that stuff. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having us. Uh, I'm glad you like our cans. <laughs> We, we spent, Andrea and I, who's not here today, uh, my better half, my business partner, she runs everything creative that we do. So she's mostly behind what happens on these cans. We spent about a year trying to find a package that was more sustainable than a bag, something that wouldn't go into a landfill or, or you know, we tried composting packages, but they wouldn't break down in our own compost, right? So we, we tried to find something more sustainable and we landed on tin. A tin, when you recycle it, turns back into a tin again in about six weeks. It only loses 1% of its original mass. So when you get a can of our coffee and you recycle it, it turns back into a can almost 100 times before it's used up. So for us, it's the most sustainable package that we can use. It's a little bit different. It's a little wonky. Not everybody's used to it. Uh, But we think it's a better way to be uh, serving our product every day. I have a question about Gasoline Alley itself. So I know that the Urban Food Brood is in one of the buildings, but it looks when you drive down Albany Street like there's three buildings that are kind of part of the collective. Is that true? I think three is the right number. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I just and, match the signage, basically. And I'm like, I think this is part of it. And that's <laughs> sure. Chris Marion, who's a photographer there in Gasoline Alley. That's right. So I am in the upper building at 270. That's where my studio is. And that's the building where Monsoon began. So if you're a lifer with Monsoon, they were in two different spots in, in that building. And now they've, they've moved next door. And uh, I, can, I can view them and admire them from afar. And I can see you from my, where I sit and roast all day long. That's right. <laughs> Chris is my, taking my pictures sign. of you. So he's got the camera. <laughs> and I'm just gazing through the window staring right. at him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really uh, it's serendipitous. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful place that we call a bohemian oasis uh, in the middle of an industrial alley. Seriously. Right. And, you know, I was going to say what Bill, what Bill had said about leaving the 413, leaving Springfield, and then coming back and realizing and seeing all the art and the artisans and the culture that has sort of propagated, right, uh, since he was gone, I feel like that's what really drew me to Gasoline Alley. Mm-hmm. I mean, my studio is fairly new. It's really not even a year old there. Um, but the culture and just the, the the vibe, and I think that the Munsons from Monsoon are a big part of that. Um, but really, every all, everyone else there, all the other member businesses on campus, as I call it, are all <laughs> just, you know, on that campus, that three-building campus, um, uh, you know, are, we're all pulling in the same direction. And I feel like you know, the, the vibe that Bill was dropping down there earlier about about coming back and seeing this arts, you know, mecca sort of growing from the from the roots is is I think I like to think Gasoline Alley has a part of that. It sure does. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Chris, where did you come from to Gasoline Alley? Where did you leave to then turn it into your base of operation? We heard Bill left the 413, went to L.A., That's gets right. scooped up by Survivor on the street. <laughs> but now he's back in Springfield. So maybe, you know. Well, it's funny. Um, I have been an editorial and sports photographer. Um, This is really my first real, real studio. I had sort of a starter studio before, um, but uh, this is my first real studio. So um, prior to that has been travel, regionally, local work, uh, et cetera. Um, 
I don't know if that you didn't your question. name one specific place. Like, I didn't where are you na- from? Well, I'm so I grew up in Springfield, oh, Massachusetts, okay. right here in the four one three. I'm a four one three kid, right? Um, went to public schools here and um, have really just you know I've been, I've worked locally and I've worked for the newspaper. I've worked for Spirit of Springfield and MGM and all you know a lot of the local wonderful companies, but also, you know, a lot of national work as well. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't quite a survivor story, but um, one of my biggest clients is the NBA, NBA Entertainment and the WNBA. Um, And that happened because of Springfield. Right. Mm -hmm. Basketball city. Basketball city. So... (laughs) Um, it's it's not quite not quite the same. I didn't get to feed get to go to Fiji quite <laughs> quite yet. Yeah. I've been to you know other cities across the globe, but not Fiji. But, uh. That's Chris Marion, who's a photographer on Gasoline Alley, who are celebrating their Kringle Market this weekend. Before we get to the Kringle Market, it feels like so the building that Monsoon is currently in only really opened like earlier this year. You guys have been working on that building for a long time. Well. So Monsoon moved over there in uh, late in 2018. We opened in the city January 1st of 2018. We were down on Main Street um, in the old Bertera Skolnick building. Now it's the Monkey Wrench building. What a wild place. If you're an <laughs> entrepreneur, that's a great place to start. Nice. So within our first like few months of being open, we realized we need a bigger place for production, somewhere we could have people come to that wasn't the third floor of a warehouse building. <laughs> and uh, and and we ended up coming to Gasoline Alley. Uh, at the time, the only other people that were there were a hair salon and a uh, an urban farm, which they were growing mushrooms and microgreens and all these really wild things inside of a warehouse. I've never seen so much green with so little windows. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we came there and, and, and opened in January 1st of 2019. And we've been building there ever since. We've slowly expanded ourselves there. And over the last three years, we've worked with seven other businesses to build the Urban Food Brood Collaborative there. Um, and along the way, other people have moved in, like Chris Marion and Gifted Tones, which is in the warehouse below us, um, and a whole bunch of other crazy creatives, street-level MMA, all kinds of things. So so we started with just a couple people on the campus, uh, and, and it kind of blossomed into this beautiful community that is amazing. It makes me want to cry when I think about it because yeah. it's just a wonderful collective of people that have just come around us and we all support each other. The first time we heard about it was talking with Vincent Corsello, who was moving into the the building for um, Corsello Butcheria. Butcheria, not a real Italian word. No, it's in Spanglish. I will accept it. It's a wonderful <laughs> butcher shop that has East Hampton uh, already going strong and now coming to Gasoline Alley. And we're speaking with Tim Munson from Monsoon Roastery and Chris Marion, who's a photographer on Gasoline Alley, and will be celebrating their Kringle Market this Sunday. Before we get into the, some of the details of the market and what to expect from that, anybody know the why it's called Gasoline Alley? Can tell that story? Hmm. Well, we... we <laughs> Bill Posley, you, know, you grew up in Greenfield? I mean, yeah. in Springfield? No. <laughs> there are, uh, there, there's actually a really great article um, on the wall in in, <laughs> in the restroom, um, uh, 277. I have only read the I first... I always believe what I read on restroom yeah. walls. Well, same, same. Um, I've only read the first three paragraphs because I've only been there a year. Um <laughs> You're not but, hydrating well enough. Then, no, you're I'm right. Sorry. You're right. It's the caffeine. Let's not. You know, um, 
Well, Gasoline Alley, again, as, as Tim kind of alluded to, it's an industrial street. It was where the gasoline literally came yeah. into Springfield on trains, et cetera, and there are still a number of tanks and businesses there. And before um, gasoline, it was kerosene. Mm-mm. See, there you go. You know, so it's been an industrial place for, well, I think, over 100 years. So we're really like, I mean, honestly, we feel like we're a real oasis, not just in Springfield, but in the 413 uh, but it, it's even more pronounced when you're driving up a street and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's just urban, very, very urban stuff yeah. or, like or industrial stuff. And then there we are, the bright colorful buildings and, and all, uh, you know, just all those things that are It's like happening. when Bert and Ernie sing, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> you drive up the street and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what is this doing here? I don't feel like this should be here. Right. But we are. But this reclaiming of industrial spaces is something that's amazing. And I think we do it really well in the 413 and all sorts of different communities, including on the little community of Gasoline Alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, we, we have the mills, you know, all over yeah. the place, which have been turned into wonderful things up and down, you know, the, 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 the valley. My studio is a garage. It was an, an yep. old single bay commercial garage, 16 foot ceilings, which photographers absolutely love. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, that's just a big deal. And it's a phenomenal, I love this space. And we've tried, you know, I've tried to keep the charm of that and sort of still make it a, a, a pretty place to be and a comfortable place to be. Yeah, we created you know. the food brood out of a 4,000 square foot office space. So, um, outlying offices and a, a, a cube farm in the middle, as I like to call it, a cubicle farm where everybody's just there working. That wasn't that wasn't rented out. It wasn't leased. It wasn't filled, right? So we had to build the infrastructure. We brought in plumbing and electrical and all kinds of things, and we turned it into a full cafe and food manufacturing space, right? <laughs> you transformed it, man. Or yeah. once, Seriously, yeah. don't undersell it. I mean, <laughs> I walk in there as a photographer. I walk in there, and I'm like a kid. Actually, literally in a candy store yeah. because we have, they have candy we have, there. Yes, have, Happy Freeze Dry Man is part of the, the food routine. He's always making these. He's an insane genius. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, th- I can't only really get into it. The Willy Wonka I, of Springfield. He, I mean, he really is. He freeze dries Skittles, and I don't know why, oh, but I'm really happy can, about it. I can tell you why, tell and us. I'll tell you what why I love them so much is that. I love the flavor of Skittles. Always have. Never liked the consistency and the chew and the just the you know. The freeze drying of it, almost they almost melt in your mouth now. So you can taste the rainbow of fruit flavor without having to chew the rainbow. Right, of fruit and your no dental visits. Well, right. maybe maybe not no. I'm not a dentist, so I can't say right. So legally, but yeah. I have a question before we start talking again about the Kringle Market is uh, about the monsoon coffee, which Betsy uh, reminds us is an underwriter of NEPM, as is Corsella Butcheria, which are all part of this gasoline alley and the urban food brood. Tell us about where you're sourcing the coffee from, how you're roasting the coffee, and some of because as I mentioned, Kalise and I are uh, obsessed with coffee. Kalise will want a day basically say, "Should I make more coffee?" And I exclaim with joy every time. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> of course you should. I love it. Uh, so we source our coffee from all around the world. It really depends uh, what time of year it is. We source on a seasonal basis. So every three or four months or so, our product line switches up, um, and it, depending on where car- coffee is being harvested during that time of the year, you know, it takes about ten months from coffee to go from the flower uh, to to the fruit that they harvest. It takes another month to process it and get it ready for export, and then another one to two months before. It gets stateside and gets to somebody like me. 
Um, so there's a whole long process of farmers doing so much work for a whole year before I even get to like experience it. And, and, and so what my job is as a coffee roaster is to try to find the best coffees I can from around the world. So, um, so for any one of the coffees we have right now, I probably would have tasted 10 or 20 different coffees. Some of them could have been from the same farmer on a different side of the hill. Right? Wow. Terroir. Uh, but it's, it really is. There's, there's as much terroir as there is in wine. And, and so I'm really passionate about finding just the best coffees from around the world that we can and, and presenting, the, presenting it in the best way uh, that does justice to the farmers that grew it because um, they do all the hard work. There. That's Tim Munson of Monsoon Roastery, as well as Chris Marion from Chris Marion Photography, who are part of Gasoline Alley, who will be hosting their Kringle Market this Sunday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. We've got the Urban Food Brood, which we heard a little bit about. More of those food vendors are going to be part of this uh, Kringle Market that Absolutely. we haven't heard about we yet? Got, we got a really awesome lineup. So the whole Urban Food Brood gang is going to be there. If you don't know about the Urban Food Brood, it's a food manufacturing collective that we have up at Gasoline Alley. We have a cafe in the middle and uh, seven other supporting businesses on the outside that all produce the best things they can to be sold right in the cafe at the Food Brood, right? Uh, so, of course, we'll be here slinging coffees all day. Nosh is going to be there. Um, putting out some soups and some sandwiches. Corsella Butcheria is going to be grilling some awesome meats and sausages and selling kinds of crazy things. Happy Man Freeze-Dried has all kinds of products. Uh, Wicked Wisp plant-based uh, creations will be there with her trailer. Uh, it's really wild. She does the most amazing like Pop-Tarts and plant-based ding-dongs and devil dogs. <laughs> I uh, want a plant-based ding-dong. <laughs> it's the most amazing thing. It looks like what you got in your lunch, right, when yes. you were going to school. Yeah. So cool. Because that was acceptable in the 80s. But mm. it's absolutely amazing. It blows your mind, right? Uh, Raka Daka will be there. It's another vegan baker we have. Uh, and then a lot of different ar- offerings from Urban Artisan Farm. He's got pretty much everything you need uh, to take home and stock your pantry up. And aside from that, for the Kringle Market, we're going to have over 30 artisans and, and makers that are there, uh, beer and wine, and a whole long list of entertainment and awesome things. Cool. This is your third one. How has it grown from the first time you did it? It's grown a lot. So the first time, the first year we put it on, I think we had four, maybe 500 people come. Um, and And it wasn't quite as robust as we have now. It was a little more ragtag because we'd never done it before. Um, last year, we had uh, a little bit over 800 guests attend over the course of the day. And uh, we actually took some metrics and we, we actually, from that one event between all the vendors, uh, it created over $30,000 in revenue uh, between all the businesses for the day. So that's you know $30,000 that people spend on gifts, but it's also $30,000 that stays in uh, our local community with the life cycle of a dollar, right? So right. It's, it's a lot of support that helps all these little businesses, including ours. All of us there, you know, 99% of the businesses in the U.S. are small businesses. We can't give you a direct initiative, a call to action on public radio right. to shop local. That violates our, our license. We can give you a call to action to support public radio, which is ironic. However, <laughs> if you were looking for some local gifts, this Kringle Market happening this Sunday on, at Gasoline Alley in Springfield, uh, Sunday from t- 10 to 4, is a wonderful opportunity. Chris Marion from Chris Marion Photography, who's part of Gasoline Alley, 
and Tim Munson from Monsoon Roastery. I can't wait to drink more of your coffee. Thank you so much for coming in and telling us about the scene at Gasoline Alley and the Marty, wonderful Pringle Market. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Oh, our pleasure. Up next, we're about to once again ask you to support us here on the Fabulous 413 and NEPM this Giving Tuesday. But we also want to hear what other organizations are important to you on this globally coordinated day of giving. You're listening to the Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. And now back to the show. How dare you? I'm rickrolling you. No. Never going to give you up. Oh, my God. On this Giving Tuesday. All of these songs today have been giving songs. It's the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I am Khalees Smith. And it is Giving Tuesday. And we have been asking you to give to your favorite nonprofit public radio station. (laughs) Us, we hope. (laughs) But we put out a call to listeners to see what other organizations they're supporting this Giving Tuesday. And we got this call. Hello, Fab 413. You had asked for uh, nominations of great local organizations. And I uh, sent you an email. So I could include the cool info about this group. Greening Greenfield is my nomination. My name is Amy. And Greening Greenfield uh, is involved in expanding housing, helping with hands-on programs in public schools, promoting public transport, beautifying and enhancing the community, and really with a great focus on native habitat, offering workshops about Mass Saves new programs, and celebrating the completion of the skate park after a 10-year effort. So anyway, that's their story, and they're really incredibly great, dedicated people. And thank you for asking for nominations, and I appreciate your work very much, Fab 413. Thank you. Bye-bye. We got other responses from other listeners, including this one from Ellen Pater. Hello, in response to your request to let you know of local nonprofits worth publicizing for their amazing work on Giving Day, I'm sending you information about the Massachusetts Fair Housing Center, the oldest nonprofit in Massachusetts dedicated to eradicating housing discrimination. Thanks for considering us. Ellen is the president of the board of that organization, but that just means that they believed in it so much that they wanted to help steer the organization. Indeed. They did say that a tenant was facing eviction for having an assistance animal, and this organization helped to uh, work with their landlord to get them the permission. So that's the kind of thing that that organization does and is a a valid organization to support this Giving Tuesday. Another listener wrote in to say, hello, I listen and contribute to NEPM. Thanks very much. We appreciate that. Recently, I heard a solicitation about other organizations for that they support on Giving Tuesday, and they wanted to mention... An organization that has provided the space and facilities twice weekly for meals for 100 to 150 people these days and has done continuously so since 1984 in Greenfield through thick and thin and pandemics. Um, The Second Congregational Church in Greenfield. Yeah, which we went right by on the march for the food bank. They asked if we would stop on the march there. Uh, next time, but that is literally like 18 steps away from the end of our 43-mile <laughs> journey. So uh, they can certainly come out and meet us, and we thank you, Joe Carbone, for uh, bringing that to our attention, and we think they're a great organization. I'll do one last one before we go back to pitching for ourselves this Giving Tuesday. It said, I heard you were looking for an organization that's fundraising this Giving Tuesday, and I'd like to recommend the Friends of the Greenfield Public Library. Oh. Thank you, Danielle, who is a, a former uh, of, of Friends of the Greenfield Public Library board member. We did a broadcast from the Greenfield Public Library. When they opened. When they opened. It's a wonderful space, and we really thank uh, We love what they've done there, and that's an, another excellent organization that you could consider supporting 
today. Tomorrow on The Fabulous 413, we're scoping out trees. Extra pretty decorated trees you can win. We'll talk to the people organizing this year's Festival of Trees at the Mass Mutual Center in Springfield. And speaking of trees, we'll head to Ioka Valley Farm in the Berkshires to find out about cutting one of our own for the Christmas season. And Hampshire College astronomer Dr. Salman Hamid, Mr. Universe, will talk with us about Hampshire's most famous, famous alum and his new PBS documentary, The American Buffalo. Support public television so you can keep seeing things like Ken Burns' documentaries and support public radio. Special <laughs> thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, Marvin Gaye, Supertramp, R.E.M., Rick Astley, and Parliament. Now, everyone who is involved with the Fabulous 413, we're going to en masse exit the studio and <laughs> hand it over to our, our, our Sonia and John. We'll see you tomorrow on the Fabulous 413.